the J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hello and welcome to the J Talk podcast. Ben Maxwell and Sam Robson with you. And Sam, after all of the pomp and ceremony of uh, last week, celebrating the J League's 30th anniversary, a bit more of a, a sedate week in the top flight. But uh, the big news to come out of the weekend is uh, Sam Robson's fantasy team has roared to the top of the J League fantasy charts. Oh, yeah, that is massive news. I am the, officially the greatest uh, J League fantasy player that there's ever been, top of the league. Uh, if Kawamura had scored, been given his goal by the Fantasy League, I'd be top on that for the week as well. So, yeah, it's all going very well. But, yeah, it was a little bit more sedate on the field, not as many goals as we may be used to, but plenty of stories, especially at the bottom of the table. Indeed, and we will start there. But uh, yes, in contrast to your fantasy genius, uh, Sam, uh, this particular week I decided I'd had enough of uh, Kasper Juncker in my team and uh, took him out. And there you go. He went and scored two goals. So anybody who kept faith with Kasper, uh, you're welcome. I reverse jinxed him into two, into two goals for you. Uh, so, yes, you are more than very welcome. All right. So, yes, we will start at the bottom of uh, J1 on this week's episode. And very shortly, we'll be joined by Manny Padovan to chat about the revival of Yokohama FC's fortunes and their two straight victories that have taken them uh, well clear now of the foot of the table. But uh, yes, we'll begin in the cellar at the Panasonic Stadium on Saturday night where uh, Gumbaro Osaka uh, faced a moment of truth at home against the defending champions, Sam. And uh, well, unfortunately for them, it was not their night in more ways than one. The officiating seemed to go against them in uh, every uh, big decision there was. And um, yes, they've succumbed 2-0 uh, to 10 men. Uh, yeah, really not a great day for them. I thought they played fairly well. They still don't get enough players forward. They don't really attack the box well enough, but I thought they attacked okay. They had reasonable chances, and defensively, they were fairly solid, especially when you look at that team, and Quan and Mura were both out, so you're looking at a centre-back pairing of Shota Fukuoka and Yota Sato, and you thought against Marinoshi, you, you feared for them, but they were reasonable. They had... Yeah, they were fair. They didn't really concede too many clear-cut chances to F. Marinos, especially uh, for the first like 75 minutes or so. So yeah, it was a decent performance. But yeah, as you say, the officiating was uh, pretty much appalling. I don't know if they all took offence to anything Alan Gibson said last week and took it out on his team. But yeah, this was not a good day for J League officials. Yeah, you do wonder who's listening at times, don't you? And yeah, maybe um, some people from behind the scenes at the J-League decided to teach Gumber a lesson. I don't know. That's um, one of the only conclusions you can draw after, as I said, nearly every big decision uh, went against uh, Gumba, who uh, were facing Hiroki Ikura in goal for F. Marinos. Of course, with Jun Ichimori now established as F. Marinos' number one keeper, he's on loan from Gumba and was ineligible to play. So for the first time since match day eight of 2019 Hiroki Ikura lined up in goal for F Marinos and there were flashbacks for the F Marinos faithful as early as the sixth minute as the Ikura raced 10 yards out of his box and was rounded by Isam Jabali who had been played through the center by Juan Alano rounded the keeper as I said and rolled into an empty net only for the linesman's flag 
for offside to save Ikara's blushes. Um, apart from that, Sam, did he settle down a bit, or was he his, uh, his uh, normal, um, well, adventurous self uh, in goal for uh, for the defending champions? To be fair to him, this was the, one of the only rushes of blood to the head. Yeah, it was great to see, actually. Just five minutes in, he's, out, he's, he's rushing clear, clear and almost punished. But yeah, he settled down afterwards, saved what he had to save, and it was a fairly comfortable performance for him. I still don't really know why he's second choice. I don't know what Obi did to offend anybody. I thought he'd started the season really well, but it looks like he could have second choice. And yeah, it was a reasonable performance from him after the early jitters. Rightio then. So uh, the champions uh, took the lead eight minutes before the break when uh, Takuma Nishimura rose in the centre to glance home a header from Katsuya Nagato's in-swinging corner. So they made it to the break, uh, 1-0 to the good, the visitors. And then, um, well, yeah, some of these decisions that we've spoken about that uh, all seem to go against uh, Gumba, Sam, began in the early stages of the second half, up to the point where F. Marinos actually had a man sent off and uh, then maybe Gumba thought things were going for them. But uh, yes, incidents involving Shinosuke Hatanaka and his central defensive partner, Eduardo, um, could have left F. Marinos down to 10 men earlier and could have um, seen uh, Gumba awarded a penalty before F. Marinos went down to 10 men. So a couple of contentious decisions. As I say, uh, everything seemed to be going against Gumba. Did you think they were very hard done to on these two occasions? Yeah, definitely. And especially when you take into consideration what happened to them last week with the penalty that was awarded against them. Well, the, the first incident is uh, Hatanaka just lunges into a challenge. He, two feet off the ground, he get, catches Alano above the, the boot. I think it's a well, it's a really poor challenge and these the referees called over to uh, go and review it at the pitch side. You usually expect this to be given as a red card whenever they go over. The VAR has obviously recommended that you look to check on a red card and it was a surprise to pretty much everyone when he came back and only awarded the yellow card. I think it was a clear foul, a clear red card in my opinion. And Yeah, Gamble were not happy at that point and then the rest, the next 10 or 15 minutes were highly charged. The referee was barely in control of the game. He was dishing out certain yellow cards. It just tackles were flying in and then it only got worse really for Gamba. Uh, Jabali crossed. It hits uh, Eduardo, I think, on the stomach before hitting on, on the hand. And like as I said last week, I don't think this is a penalty. It just shouldn't be a penalty from the deflection up uh, onto the hand. But there were two instances last week where these were given on review. Uh, one against Gamba, and um, in this instance, there was no VAR review. There was no consistency shown by the J-League. I don't recall them coming out last week and saying the two incidents last week were mistakes, so they should be refereeing to the same rules, and obviously they weren't here. It's a really poor decision, if that's the precedent that they were going to set last week, and yet Gamba have every right to be absolutely furious with this. Uh, yeah, it should have been a penalty based on uh, what we saw last week. Right, so yeah, F. Marinos could have already been down to 10 men, and as we said, Gumba should have been awarded a penalty. If uh, yeah, if refereeing is being done consistently these days, then yeah, on a week-to-week basis, that should have been a penalty uh, for that incident involving Jabali and Eduardo. But then in the 59th minute, Gumba were presented with a golden chance to get back into the game when uh, Ken Matsubara was shown a bizarre, for me anyway, second yellow for perhaps 
pulling uh, Shu Karata to the floor as uh, Matsubara touched the ball past, uh, touched the, yeah, touched the ball past Kurata as in Matsubara was was moving forward and. Uh, did he actually haul Karata to the floor? I don't know. Did he have his hands up near Karata's face, perhaps? Um, it was a, uh, looked a strange one to me. Uh, Matsubara looked absolutely stunned to see the, the yellow card produced because he knew that was going to be his second of the game. Uh, I think the referee had to be reminded, Sam, that he booked Matsubara early in the first half. And uh, again, I wonder if he had remembered that in the moment, whether it, it actually would have been uh, a yellow card um, offence. But, uh, yeah, as it was, uh, he had no choice but to, to send Matsubara off because he had booked him, I think, right back in the 11th minute. So, um, yeah, th- that presented Gumba with half an hour against 10 men uh, to, to at least try and equalise the game and then hopefully for them go on to win it. So, um, yeah, maybe in real time, maybe you've seen the, the right replay that um, clearly shows that Matsubara either had his hands in Karata's face or did definitely pull him to the floor. But um, for me, it looked like he was trying to launch an attack and get around Karata. But uh, yeah, what was your view on that one? Yeah, I think it was more a case of everything was building up. I think Matsubara arguably could have been sent off earlier for a few other challenges and hadn't been. And then this one, I think there is slight contact um, with Karata's face. I don't think it's the worst challenge that there's ever been and maybe if he already well, kind of remembered that he'd already booked him he might not have given the the yellow card here but uh yeah it was just kind of a build-up i think the red card was pretty much overdue for somebody and kind of matsubara was the one that was caught up in it and got that second yellow so i think it was just a uh, um just basically it came from a really poor period of refereeing where he had no control over the game and just this sort of thing was inevitable. So, uh, yeah, maybe in a isolation, this incident maybe didn't warrant a yellow card or necessarily a second yellow card, but, yeah, it was just a build-up because the referee just completely lost control of the game. Right, fair enough then. So, um, well, we'll come on to chat about the fact that F Marino's um, not only held on to their lead with uh, with 10 men, they extended it with the just over 10 minutes to go thanks to Katsuya Nagato's uh, free kick. Um, and there was controversy around that as well. But, um, yeah, what sort of a fist did Gumba make of, uh, of yeah, making their man advantage count then in, in, in the 20 minutes between Matsubara being sent off and then Nagato, um, well, seemingly putting the game out of reach by scoring the second goal. Um, we've, uh, yeah, we, we know Gumba have, um, obviously struggled to score this uh, season. That's one of the main reasons why they're right down at the foot of the table. Um, so yeah, did they spark into life at all? Did the, the highly charged nature of the, um, uh, of the occasion and of the game and the referee losing control of it uh, work in their favor at all? Or did they really struggle to um, express themselves even though they had a man advantage? Yeah, I thought they struggled, to be honest. Um, it kind of helped F Marinos. I thought they were the better team after going down to 10 men. There was a bit of an attack. They brought on Usami, who didn't start. I think it gave them a little bit more defensive solidity. But once he came on, he's the only one that looks likely. They they attacked okay, but they just don't get players forward enough. They, often Jabali would have the ball in the area and have nobody to assist him. There was nobody around for any rebound if shots are going in. Very few people forward for crosses. And yeah, there wasn't that necessarily that urgency or that desire necessarily to get into the area and to really go for it. I think they were 
quite worried about Marinos on the counter-attack and were kind of in a halfway house. And really, I expected more from them once they went down to uh, once uh, Marinos went down to ten men. But there wasn't that response. It was, yeah, a little bit timid, in my opinion, from Gamba. And uh, that will disappoint them because that game was there for the taking. Because prior to that, they'd been probably the better side. Right. And uh, so, yeah, ultimately it was a goal and an assist for uh, Nagato. Obviously set up uh, Nishimura's uh, early uh, first half goal with his corner. And then, uh, yes, his uh, his free kick in the 79th minute was uh, one of those that you, you, I guess you hit and hope, and it kind of swerves away from the keeper, um, Masaki Higashiguchi. Um, according to Stuart Smith in the line group, he, he didn't dive the right way. He dived with two uh, two arms outstretched, which, uh, which limits your spring, according to Stuart. And, um, yeah, obviously he knows his stuff when it comes to keeping. So, um, yeah, got his calculations all wrong there, Higashiguchi. And, um, well, it's a... It's a tremendously hit free kick from Nagato, but again, um, on a night where Gumba th- uh, could feel hard done to on so many occasions, Sam, this is um, this is one where uh, Anderson Lopez was brought down, well, fully 45 yards out from goal, but uh, Nagato was somehow able to take his free kick from about 30 yards out. Yeah, well, I don't know what's going on here with the referee. I mean, it's cheeky from Marinos, but you take what you can get. You always try and edge a free kick further forward, and they've managed to get it within Nagato's range. So well on them. It should be down to the referee to really focus on where that free kick should be taken from. He's obviously had no input from his assistant on the far side, and they've just not taken any notice, really. They've <laughs> a lapse of concentration from the referee, and it gives Jabali, uh, not Jabali, it gives Nagato a chance. It's a good hit. It's well struck. It's a bit of swerve on it into the top corner, or close enough to the top corner, but I agree with Stuart. I think uh, Higashiguchi is his side. He should really deal with it a lot better than he does, but uh, yeah, but take nothing away from Nagato's strike. It was a good effort, but yeah, again, like, Gamba have a lot of questions to ask for the referee. There's no way you should be allowed to take move a free kick from roughly the halfway close to the halfway line to within shooting distance. Appalling referee. Yes, and that well at two nil, uh, Gamba's goose was cooked. Um, I mean, yeah, a few, a few late chances, but um, yeah, the the champions saw out a two nil away victory. And um, as we'll come on to later with Kobe dropping points, that saw them move back to within three points of a Vissel at the summit. But um, yes, Gumba now uh, a well a stunning four points adrift at the bottom after a fifth straight defeat. Um, well, we spoke about it last week with Alan. We were wondering whether Poyatos would make it through to Saturday night, Sam. Obviously, you know, the the, um, the front office can point to the turnaround that Kashima have been able to um, stage in the last six weeks. Um, five straight wins and a draw now uh, that has seen them, um, you know, move into the top six after spending the first uh, eight or nine weeks down in the bottom six. So whether they think that Poyatos is capable of a turnaround like that, if they're just simply tired of paying out um, a new manager after uh, four or five months of uh, of a new season. Of course, Tom, Tomohiro Katonosaka only made it to match day 25 last year before he was shown the door. Yeah, I don't know. You, you're well and truly on record as saying you, you don't uh, think Poyatos 
has um, shown a track record to, to get a job like this in the first place. So it's a matter of, as I said, how much longer can they give him? How much faith do they actually have in him? Is he going to keep changing his goalkeepers around? Is Tani going to play next week? Uh, for all we know, uh, he might do. Um, what, yeah, is, can you see any any signs of, um, you know, uh, a turnaround is imminent for Gumba after a, uh, uh, well, a run like this, but yeah, in particular Saturday night? Well, to be honest, they weren't that bad against F. Marinos, and you wouldn't necessarily expect Gamba to go into that game and come out with any points. Marinos are a better side. That's just the way it is. But uh, So it wasn't like the worst performance of the season. They've been far worse in other games. So it's an interesting situation they find themselves in because obviously they have looked for the, prof- the type of profile of manager. They, they know that if you pick Poyatos, he's going to change that the way that they're playing. Obviously, the two goalkeepers are not used to the way they play, so they're having to build out from the back they're having to learn as they go so he is a manager that requires time to put his stamp onto onto the team but they're a team that with a quality of player they should at least be top half at least um well at least mid-table challenging higher than that and they find themselves bottom four points adrift and only one's going down so it's a situation you look at that gamba shouldn't be there so it's just how long do they allow this to go before they decide they have to make a change it's uh, a difficult situation to be in because as you say gamber have cycled through managers in the last few years there's only so many times you can do that before you have to give somebody a chance to really um stamp his authority and have a long crack at it i don't think Poyatos is the person for that he would never have been hired if i was in charge but yeah there are it's, it's really difficult like how long can you leave because they with the way that Yokohama FC are playing, they've won three out of four and they've managed to move four, move clear, five points clear. Race on looked better at the weekend with the new manager and they might move clear. And like if that gap gets any bigger than four points, then yeah, I think it's panic stations at Gamba Osaka. But I can understand why they'd want to give Poyatos the chance because they've put an investment in him. They obviously believe that that's the way to play football and the way to get out of it. So yeah, it's an interesting one, like, but uh, for me, he wouldn't be there. But I understand why they're trying to st- stick with him, and hopefully for them, it works. Yes, well, obviously, he doesn't have the uh, the built up goodwill with the supporters that uh, Kato Nosaka did as a as a former player, and maybe that contributed to the uh, the slightly longer leash that that he got compared to uh, Poyatos at this stage after fourteen rounds. But um, yes, at, as as we speak, he's uh, still. Uh, in the hot seat at the Panasonic Stadium. And, um, well, we'll wait and see uh, for how much longer and if he can uh, start to turn things around, uh, well, starting this weekend. We shall see. All right, then. So, uh, yeah, F. Muddy knows uh, getting the rub of the green and um, ending up with a 2-0 victory away at Gumba on Saturday night. And it was indeed a very good Saturday for, uh, well, both halves of Yokohama and after a, a quick hit of music uh, Manny Padovan will join us to chat about the suddenly rampant Yokohama FC Welcome back. Yes, uh, Yokohama FC have won 3 of their last 4. They're uh, not only off the foot of the table, they're now 5 points clear of uh, Gumba in the cellar. And, uh, well, our guest, I imagine, is a cock-a-hoop, despite the unfortunate fact he hasn't actually been able to watch any of their three victories live at the stadium. But it's a big welcome back to the podcast to Manny Padovan. Manny, how are you? Uh, good evening. I'm, uh, I'm cock-a-hoop about all the, uh, all the victories we've been having of late. 
fully understandable, Manny. And, um, well, it was a long time coming, of course, before uh, your side finally uh, notched their first three points of the season in uh, in midweek in Golden Week against uh, Niigata. But, um, yeah, what's uh, what's been responsible for the turnaround, do you think? As we've said numerous times throughout the season, the team has been uh, capable of uh, good passages of play, but haven't been able to knit them together, if you like. So, um, well, yeah, how pleased have you been with, um, uh, with uh, yeah, how things have gone over the last um, two or three weeks? Uh, just just for, my, for my mental health, to be honest. I'm just happy that we're, we're able to play football. Um, I think sort of at the start of the season, with all the how we were playing, it just looked impossible that we'd ever get a win but we've sort of we've subtly changed how we play we started trying to do this sort of man city play from the back kind of football but now we've sort of reverted back to sort of you know parking the bus essentially booting it as far as we can to our speedy uh, players and you know what it may not be the most attractive football but it's i think it's the results that we that we need, you know, we realise we need to the, be better at defending, and uh, it was evident on the weekend that we sort of defended really deeply, but it wasn't in a negative way. We always looked forwards, and while it may not be particularly attractive, it, it does the job, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, all the cool kids are uh, beating Kawasaki these days. Uh, uh, FC Tokyo did it last week. And, uh, yeah, Yokohama FC have uh, won against their prefectural rivals for the first time ever in the J-League at the seventh time of asking. Yeah, 2-1 at Mitsuzawa on Saturday afternoon, Sam. And they did it without the suspended Koki Ogawa, of course, their main man, up front and the source of, uh, well, pretty much everything that they've done going forward um, this season, the score of, uh, I think, 80% of their goals. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was replaced by uh, by Shaw Ito, who is, um, well, yeah, uh, a big lump. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, he played his part in the opening goal. And, um, yeah, as did a, a former Frontale player, Tatsuya Hasegawa. Uh, yeah, I thought, well, who, who'd have known, really, that the key to uh, changing Yokohama's fortunes was to just get rid of Koki Ogawa. He was obviously holding them back, and this was, get rid of him, and that was their best performance, like, quite clearly, because even in the two victories before, yeah, they beat Niigata's reserves, it was okay, and then last week, I thought Kashi were, were quite unlucky not to come away with anything from that game, but I can't say that in this one. I thought Yokohama absolutely deserved uh, the victory. First... 35, 40 minutes was like a training exercise where Kawasaki had the ball and Yokohama had to defend and they had to be really uh, switched on. They had to, yeah, deal with anything that came with their way and they were very good. They were really solid. They sat in a low block. Kawasaki did not get through them. It was very comfortable, really. And I thought it was, I couldn't believe that I was watching Yokohama FC players defend in that manner. They were very, very good. And then, yeah, as Manny said, they had that option going forward. They kept attacking. Um, this was just before the goal. Uh, Hasegawa, who'd been out injured, obviously had a point to prove against his former club. It was a great run and strike off the crossbar, which really kind of set Yokohama FC going. And then the goal is really good. So, yeah, Shoito 
you know, as you say, not maybe the prettiest on the eye, but nice little ball forward, clipped into, in a way, touches it down, wonderful volley into the um, back of the net, perfect time to score before half-time, and Yokohama FC took so much confidence from that, and the rest of the game, that yeah, they defended well, they sat back, but yeah, they were absolutely going for it at the opposite end, and uh, yeah, thoroughly deserved the victory. Yeah, brilliant stuff, Manny. So, um, yeah, a, an ex-Frontale player in Hasegawa who, as Sam said, had a point to prove against his former club. But, um, yeah, hit, I guess yeah, him hitting the bar, as Sam's mentioned, seven minutes before the break, maybe, um, yeah, sparked your team, uh, sparked their confidence and um, realised the... The, the rest of them realised they didn't have to just defend. Uh, they could actually hurt Frontale going the other way. And, um, well, Sam's right. Yeah, I mean, all of the early chances were for Kawasaki, but they were from distance and they were well handled as uh, York Armour FC um, were, uh, yeah, were quite comfortable in their uh, in their defence. And then, yeah, the, the, the opening goal, it's, uh, it's a... It, a terrific, um, you know, build up. You're attacking from your own half and uh, countering forward. Ito's chip ball to Inoue, who did the rest, and um, yeah, absolutely brilliant stuff. Yeah, I mean, when I was watching the first half, I thought it looked like we were able to defend quite well, and we were, you know, looking good in part. But going forward, I thought, oh, do we have that sort of option? Uh, in the last few minutes of the first half, we just suddenly looked very capable of scoring a goal, and then it, you know, it came just before uh, the end of the half time. Feel was a change, and it's, it's so nice to see because after so many games, you know, we've conceded early, and then we just capitulated and sort of lost. So it, it's so nice to be on this sort of opposite, really, and be able to score and also defend really well. Yeah, and it was, um, I guess, in true Kawasaki style. Manny, I'll come back to you for the the second goal uh, early on in the second half because that's what Frontale have done to so many teams uh, over the years, of course, during their period of dominance is that they uh, they smell blood in the water and one becomes two very quickly. And in this the case of your side, well, yes, Inoue opened the, uh, the the scoring a minute before half time, but the players came out straight after the break and pressed home their advantage when uh, Ryoya Yamashita showed absolutely blazing speed down the right touchline to burn off Shintaro Kuromaya and run on to uh, Toa Yamane's long ball forward, then um, showed terrific composure to slot home past Naoto Kami Fukumoto for 2-0. So, um, yeah, 1-0 heading into the break and 2-0 straight after it. That was, uh, as I say, a hallmark of the, uh, the the Kawasaki sides that put the J-League to the sword for so many years. So um, the fact that, yeah, the the players went into the break on a high and were able to extend their advantage straight after it, um, uh, I mean, you must have just absolutely been buzzing. Ah, it was like watching a uh, Grand National horse race, watching Yamashita racing ahead like that. You know, I was like, I felt like I had a bet on him. It was amazing to see, especially with, as a team, especially in this season, we tend to, not concentrate in the first 10, 20 minutes of either the first or second half where the other team would invariably score. So for us to come out of the blocks like that was, was something really special. And it was just great to see there was a ball to sort of, because he's not a big guy, he's a small, he's a small player, sort of gallop that and just get ahead and sort of then still control the ball into there. It was a, it was a great goal. 
Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Sam, I mean, yeah, there's a couple of analogies you can use there. I mean, um, Manny said come out of the blocks. And, um, yeah, a horse racing analogy is applicable as well because Yamashita just absolutely turned on the burners, didn't he? And, um, well, yeah, poor old Kuramaya tried his best to keep up. But, um, yeah, Yamashita burned him off. And then, as I said, to to, to slot it home after um, such an, uh, you know, a, a lung-busting run, uh, was uh, was absolutely terrific, and uh, I guess he was emblematic of the confidence that the uh, York Armour FC were feeling at that period of the game. Yeah, absolutely, and the the you know the composure is just incredible, really, because so many players that'll go on that lung busting run, get into there, and then rush a bullet to the head. They'll no, there'll be no composure. They'll completely scuff the finish or completely waste it. But yeah, to be able to get into the position he did, like on incredible athleticism, to run pretty much the length of the pitch and just outstrip everybody, and then to get into that position and produce that finish is yeah terrific. Uh, it's not something I've necessarily seen from him all season, but uh, yeah, this is a great time to show um, what he can do and uh, yeah it was just a perfect mindset really from Yokohama they didn't go into the break one nil up and then think all right we'll sit on this we'll just try and hold them off they went for it they I mean they could have had two or three at the start of the second half actually so it was just a really positive way of playing Yokohama FC yes a lot of the game was very defensive but that doesn't mean it's not a positive way of approaching the game they were still looking to score goals and they got their rewards Terrific stuff. And then, um, well, yeah, I guess a Frontale fight back uh, and, you know, a, a, a extended period of dominance was to be expected, Manny. And, um, yeah, again, you'll be uh, you'll be really happy at the way um, your side have, have finished with the three points, even though Tatsuki Seko pulled a goal back for the visitors with a 25 yard free kick. In the 68th minute, that uh, I mean, Sven Brodersen will not want to watch back uh, too many times. Um, whether he tr- didn't trust the wall enough, or he was, um, yeah, he just completely um, got, I think, bamboozled by uh, by what he thought Seko was going to do. Maybe he just was in his own head too much about it, and um, ultimately has not been able to, uh, you know, extend himself at all to try and keep out uh, uh, Seco set piece. So, um, yeah, I don't know. At that point of um, uh, of the game, when uh, Frontale got their goal back and with, uh, you know, still 20 minutes to play and knowing what your side had done earlier on in the season, were you, uh, uh, were you confident they could hang on or were you uh, fearful of um, uh, 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 Frontale, not, not just a fight back, but um, uh, maybe a capitulation from your side? I was bricking it. Um, yeah, I thought like I thought, you know I thought oh I mean I just I could see you know visions of five two or or you know something because you know Kawasaki okay they're mid table at the moment but they're not terrible you know they've got the quality and sort of you know if we struggle this season oh could you know is it going to be another repeat but there's something about there's something the defense and the sort of that I haven't seen before that that, that sort of like defense and that fight to sort of put your body on the line literally in some cases uh, which is which is great to see and it, it didn't make for a comfortable uh half that's for sure <laughs> so what did you make then of kawasaki and the way that they approached it obviously you've seen your side in fairness get thrashed by the likes of kobe and the likes of yokohama f marinos was it just purely a different approach from yokohama fc that was able to keep them at bay or was there something missing you thought from the way kawasaki were attacking i i think it was sort of our different style of play for start i think there's a lot of teams that sort of underestimate 
you know, probably rightfully after our performances in other games. Um, but I think using that level of surprise and teams that don't expect to do anything is we've used it to our advantage. I mean, you can only many times in the season before teams sort of click. But I think this exactly they I kind of felt that they expected to sort of just game. And then when we defended the way we did and we made it difficult for them, whether that be sort of game management towards the end or whatever, I think they that. Yeah, so um, I mentioned that Brodison didn't really um, yeah, cover himself in glory on the on the, the free kick goal by Seco with 20 minutes to go, but he redeemed himself uh, most definitely with a terrific reflex stop to keep out uh, Yu Kobayashi's glancing header inside the last five minutes. So how important has it been to to get Brodison back and, um, yeah, fit and firing Manny? Because a lot of us were surprised he didn't be, uh, begin the campaign as the uh, the first-choice keeper. I guess we know now that he was um, still dealing with concussion issues as he, um, yeah, w- once he was able to make his return, he was initially uh, helmeted. Uh, these days he's he's done away with the the, the head protection, but... Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's. I think it's great for uh, for us to see him back, and I'm sure for all the Yokohama FC supporters, it's uh, it's been a, a joy to see him back between the sticks. And um, I guess uh, allay your fears that uh, yeah, he might not be able to to take the field a- again. It's uh, it's great to have him back. For, I'm sure. Great. It's like you know, meeting your long lost love again. He's uh, <laughs> a great goalie, but he's sort of presence in the box and how he sort of commands things is is really impressive um you know when you compare it to sort of Nagai who's on the bench it's just night and day and just there's a confidence in him uh, that you can feel throughout the squad and in the supporters that we've got us in we've got a chance of at least you know having a good game uh it's great to have him back, and and I think he's definitely. I mean, he's up there with Ogawa, and the 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 sort of leadership he has in the back is really important for us. Oh yeah, it's one of your most important players. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, most definitely. most definitely. So uh, yeah, all right, a uh, yeah, happy days for your Kramer FC, as we said, uh, well and truly off the foot of the table now, and. Um, Yes, um, one of the uh, the prominent members of our Patreon only line group, uh, Manny. I won't uh, I won't give away his identity if he he doesn't want to be outed. But he he basically made the the big call after a Saturday's win. He says that he doesn't think your camera FC are going to go down now. So he's already uh, he's marked you as safe after 14 rounds. So we'll we'll wait and see. But um, yeah. So how are you feeling yourself? I know on a week to week basis and you know game by game and even in between um, key uh, key moments in games, you, you'll still have the, those uh, feelings of dread um, as uh, you know the supporter of a of an underdog team. Um, but uh, yeah, these uh, these three wins in the last four, um, well, they cut they've they've done a massive amount for uh, for the, for the club for the the spirits of the players. I'm sure as we as we can see, they put in a performance that was full of uh, full of merit on Saturday afternoon against one of the powerhouses of the J League. So, um, yeah, the, the sky's the limit. I don't know. what um, Are you pumping the brakes on expectations or um, <laughs> next stop the Yodoko Stadium and you'll uh, you'll raid Cerezo Osaka for another three points this coming Sunday? <laughs> uh, it's, it's difficult. 
would say yes we're sort of completely safe but then you know we're going to be in the bottom half that's for sure play like we did against Kawasaki and we how we did against uh, Niigata and uh, Kashiwa then I think we've got a good chance of position that's not 18th <laughs> I'll be happy you know with 16th any position just not the last position um, but if we just keep playing like and crucially, if we don't get any major injuries, uh, then I think we've got a good chance. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll come to both of you. Sam first. Uh, I mean, obviously, Ogawa's goals have been so vital so far, although they showed they you know, they, they were able to score two on, on Saturday without him. And Broderson coming back between the sticks is is obviously huge for them as well. Um, are there any of the any other key players? And if, if you leave any out, I'm sure Manny can fill in the gaps. But um, in, in particular, in this uh, this run of uh, three wins in four that has, has really stood out, maybe um, they weren't so involved earlier on in the campaign and have been given a chance and grasped in recent weeks? Uh, yeah, first I'll go with Kotaro Hayashi, a young uh, fullback. He's played wing-back now in the new system that they're playing. I think he has been really, really solid. I think he was very rarely involved at the start of the season. I don't think he made the first two squads, but he's eventually... Uh, got in and I think he just looks a really good defender, a good one-on-one defender and good engine up and down that that side. So I think he's really added something, a versatility as well. He's played either side and whatever formation they want to play and he looks like he's very capable in all those areas. And then just in this game, because as I said, I wasn't massively wrapped with their performance against Ray Sol and I'm not really taking into account the Niigata game against the reserves, but having Hasegawa back in the side here, playing left wing finally, because he started the season for whatever reason in the number 10 position. I don't think it's his ideal role, but out on the left wing, we saw, especially in that first half, how dangerous he can be. So if you can play him, and if your master's going to play as he did at the weekend as well, those two either side of Ogawa, I think it sounds like a potentially really potent front line and definitely the pace to get in and cause problems. And Ogawa, yes, he didn't start here and they won, but it doesn't mean that Shoito should be the first choice striker going forward. But I think there's yeah real signs that those three uh, could have a really good working relationship going forward. But yeah, anyone else that stood out for you, Manny? Uh, I really like Yoshino. Uh, sort of, he has that sort of a quiet presence in the back. I think he's quite of a of a good workhorse positive way. And, uh, and some of the tackles he's done and sort of to sort of interact with the other players, I think is really positive for us. And definitely I like to have in the defence regularly. Yeah, all right then. So, uh, yeah, a lot of positive signs from Yokohama FC over the course of the last month. And uh, as we said, yeah, three wins in four has uh, taken them out of, uh, well, yeah, off the bottom and uh, for the time being anyway, out of uh, relegation danger at well clear of uh, bottom club Gumbara Osaka. So, uh, yeah, great to catch up with you, Manny. Um, we uh, we hope you, you can get to a, a York Grammar seat victory in person <laughs> soon. Although, uh, how superstitious are you? Because um, you, you haven't been able to get to any of the three wins um, live. So uh, are you staying away until, uh, I don't know, well, uh, yeah, until they they need you again? <laughs> yeah, I'm the bad luck charm. I haven't actually seen uh, Yokohama win since we played Kofu in uh, J2, I think it was back in September. So perhaps, uh, 
perhaps really I am the unlucky charm. <laughs> Well, yeah, after they return from uh, Cerezo, um, they have a couple of games at home in a row to round out the first half of the season against uh, Tosu and Urawa. So, uh, yeah, hopefully you'll be able to get uh, to uh, to one of those and hopefully you can see a win in person, mate. But uh, for now, we'll leave it there. Of course, if you're not following Manny on Twitter, you can do so at Yokohama FSG. And uh, yeah, we look forward to catching up with you again. Well, I guess as the uh, the second half of the season gets going, Manny. But uh, yeah, good luck to Yokohama FC in the weeks to come. Cheers, Alice. Thanks very much for having me. A pleasure as always, Manny. All right. Thanks very much, mate. After a quick hit of music, Sam and I will round up the rest of the Match Day 14 results. Welcome back and thanks again to Manny. So sandwiched in between Gumbar Osaka and Yokohama FC uh, down in the bottom three at the moment are Shaunan Belmare, who uh, succumbed to yet another home defeat on Saturday. They have uh, lost four in a row and uh, the last three have all come at the Lemon Gas Stadium, Sam, at this time 2-0 at the hands of Cerezo Osaka, who scored, well, four times on the day, but to twice uh, legally uh, in the second half through uh, Leo Ciara eight minutes after the break and uh, Satoki Weijo uh, right at the end of things. So uh, these are worrying times for, for Shaunan after they'd uh, obviously started in a blaze of glory. But uh, yes, they've uh, they've sunk like a stone in recent weeks. Yeah, they have. Um, it's quite weird the the way their season's gone because it's not a typical Shonan team, really. You usually expect them um, to keep it quite tight but not score too many goals, and they're the complete opposite this year. 21 goals scored, 24 conceded. And uh, this game, they're just as open as usual defensively but didn't get anything going really going forward. Um, yeah, it was a disappointing performance. You'd expect I'd expect them to do fairly well. Cerezo like, are not the greatest team in the world. They play pretty poorly all season and then we're without Yonit Jan Matsuda at the back so you thought this was an opportunity for Shonan the midfield pair of Cerezo was Kagawa and Okudo which there's not many legs in there so you would, and Shonan are usually quite good in midfield so yeah I think this is an opportunity missed really for Belmare yeah as I said defensively they didn't deal with balls into the area yes the delivery is usually very good from Cerezo be it from Yamanaka or Jordi Crew whoever it might be and Leo Ciara yeah just pounced on the the space that he was given so yeah disappointing for Shonan they've obviously got still got the game in hand so maybe a slightly false position potentially but yeah it is worrying that they've managed to drop as uh, low as they have yeah, you're right there. I mentioned, yeah, the last three in a row were at home. Uh, that's because, of course, their match day 12 fixture away at Urawa was moved due to Reds' uh, participation in the ACL final. So, yes, there is still a game in hand in there for Shaunan. But, uh, yeah, on the evidence of the last, uh, well, five rounds, four that they've played in, uh, yes, you wouldn't uh, be uh, putting too much money on them uh, making that uh, game in hand uh, count to their advantage. But uh, anyway, yes, Cerezo were uh, on to things uh, very early doors. They had the ball in the net for the first time in just the eighth minute when uh, Leo Ciara scored from a uh, Rioska Yamanaka cross, but was uh, just offside when uh, the left-back sent the ball over. Uh, but uh, yes, they uh, scored a legal goal, and it was the same combination combining eight minutes after the break. Of course, we know that Yamanaka could open a can of beans with his uh, left foot, and this time, yes, his uh, pinpoint cross to the back post was uh, headed in by Ciara 
for 1-0. Uh, in between the two goals, uh, Seiya Maikuma was narrowly offside when he headed in uh, what would have been their second. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the linesman, uh, must be said, had a, a pretty good day at uh, either end at the Lemon Gas Stadium. We're uh, often critical of officiating, so I guess we, even though they were just doing their job, we, uh, we should give them some praise when they get things right and uh, don't have to worry about uh, leaving things to VAR, but uh, yes, it was uh, Satoki Weijo who had the final word uh, with a minute to go. It was uh, Okuno who won the ball back in the midfield and released uh, Weijo. He uh, fired in off the inside of uh, Song Bun Kion's right-hand post. And um, Sam, yeah, you mentioned he uh, he uh, almost celebrated it. I'm not sure. I think uh, I was a much bigger fan of Weijo when he uh, was completely deadpan whenever he scored a goal, especially after he'd uh, sulked and come off, ca- having come off the bench. So uh, I'm not sure uh, about uh, how I feel about him turning over a new leaf, but um, certainly Cerezo's two goals were very well taken. And uh, yeah, Weijo's a fine finish uh, to finish Belmari off. Yeah, both goals were very well taken, as you said. Um, Leo Ciara, yeah, getting into those positions. He's getting plenty of goals now. We're worried uh, he might need a bit more. He won't get as much service here as he did at F Marinos, but that's six on the season. You know, it's a good partnership with uh, Yamanaka. There's definitely a good understanding there. And yeah, Joe is a very useful player off the bench. And yeah, it's a good finish here. He's starting to get there. He's slightly, slightly happy. At least raises a, at least a bit of a smile in this game. I don't know if he's got anything particularly against Shonan, but yeah, maybe by the end of the season, he'll be forward rolls and somersaults and everything to really celebrate a goal. So that would be good to see. But yeah, it was... A good enough performance from Sarissa. They're they're quite dull, really, aren't they? They're good defensively. They're not going to commit too much forward, but they're good at what they do. They can get goals. They're somehow in sick. I don't think they're the sixth best team on evidence so far this season. But, yeah, just chugging along, getting results. And, yeah, they took advantage of sloppiness at the back from Shonan and uh, dealt with whatever came their way. There was one really big chance uh, for Shonan Barado with a shot. I think it just... Is touched by match, you know, just in um, six yards from goal. It's a wonderful reflex save from uh, Kim, who, uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, it, you haven't seen too much from him necessarily this season in terms of those sorts of saves, but when called upon, it was a terrific piece of goalkeeping that uh, at that time kept uh, Cerezo uh, ahead, sorry. So, yeah, solid enough. And Shonan, yeah, it's got to be worrying. I know, I think after the first game, I think we both sort of jokingly ribbed uh, Johnny Nickel, who said they were going to go down. But I think we should just listen to Johnny. I think he's obviously right. They're in poor form. And if Machino goes, then you do have to fear for Shonan, especially with the Yokohama revival. Kashua might get a bit better. You think Gamba's squad is better than Shonan. So, yeah, it's slightly worrying times at the Lemon Gas Stadium. Yeah, most definitely, especially when you see um, maybe a, a gap developing between um, the teams down to Niigata in 13th and then the the, the bottom five, because, uh, I mean, the form down there, obviously, Yokohama FC are, uh, are rampant, as we said, and and Raysol have taken points in four of their last five games. But apart from that, yeah, Sanga, um, Shonan and, and Gumba are all struggling, of course. So if, if Niigata were to notch another win or two in the next, uh, let's say, month and the, the rest of those teams 
continue to struggle, that we might see a, a bit of a breakaway group at the bottom. And um, yeah, Belmare haven't shown too many signs in recent weeks that they'd be digging themselves out of a predicament like that. And as you say, Sam, if they were to lose much, you know, well, then that uh, that could be uh, almost uh, a death knell for them. But uh, yes, uh, props again to Cerezo. They just uh, chugged along and got the job done. Uh, as we said, two well-taken goals and uh, yeah, three wins in their last four when they have looked very average at times uh, this season. And as you say, they're up to sixth. And um, yeah, I guess taking advantage of some of the inconsistency of the teams around them and below them uh, to, to work their way up to a position like that. All right then. So, uh, well, yeah, one of the occupants of the bottom five, uh, Kashiwa, were at home against the leaders, Kobe, on Saturday afternoon. And um, there was a new man in charge, well, in, in, in of sorts, uh, in the uh, Hidachidai uh, home dugout. It was uh, Masami Ihara who came in after Nelsinho was sacked late on in the week. Of course, a, a race hole legend, Nelsinho, no doubt about that. He'd taken them to heights that their supporters had uh, previously only dreamed of, uh, winning J1 the season after uh, being promoted as J2 champions. And, um, well, yeah, setting the benchmark for Gumbro Osaka to do uh, the, the same unbelievable feat a couple of years later but um yeah he won so many trophies for racehole and um ho- hopefully will always be remembered uh, f- extremely fondly by the supporters there sam but i guess uh, his uh, his goose was cooked his time was up and there was a managerial change uh, last week it wasn't the one we were expecting uh, although uh, i guess nelsinho was po- potentially on the cards as well but um yeah uh, unfortunately for uh as I say, someone who'll go down as a racehole legend, his his time there ended uh, ended with a whimper. Yeah, it did. It had been coming. I think there were definitely a lot of discontent amongst the racehole supporters um, in the last few games. And yeah, it's a shame for him. Obviously, it will go down as a legend for both Kashua and in terms of the J League. And it was nice that last season he kind of had a bit of a final hurrah that that run with a really poor team to do as well as they did last season to be in ACL contention for large parts of last season. Mm. It's fantastic. And so, yeah, he'll leave head held high. I don't know if this might be his last job. Um, Maybe he might um, go for retirement after this. But, yeah, fantastic uh, for Kashua. And I think they've made a decent appointment with Ihara. Um, Yeah, he's on the coaching staff. It seems like like a lot of J-League teams do that. It's just seen as sometimes a lazy appointment. But he's obviously had experience with the Vispa. I think... uh, very good coach. I think he'll look to try and sort these out a little bit defensively. He's not a miracle worker. He didn't do it in time for uh, this game, but I think they should look a little bit more solid. But he's then got to try and figure out a way of scoring goals as well and um, maybe give Yuki Honda a ring, see if he wants to uh, join on a permanent. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, yeah, there was some more uh, own goal calamity in uh, in J1 match day 14 I'm not I don't think we mentioned it yet in the episode but yeah we've got a couple of crackers to come uh, listeners and yeah one of them in this particular game when uh, Racehall as we said hosted the leaders Kobe and it finished at 1-1 Yuya Osako continued his uh, purple patch uh, with the opener for the visitors in the 24th minute and once again it was uh, Yoshinori Muto who was his provider uh, that came after Daiju Sasaki had uh, rattled the bar for the visitors in just the 8th minute with a uh, strike from distance but then uh, Raysol worked their way back into the game 
in the second half and uh, just past the hour Sachiro Toshima's shot from a close range was blocked by uh, Tetsushi Yamakawa as uh, Kashua went looking for their equaliser and as it turned out it came just four minutes later and yes own goal calamity central and uh, yeah definitely a a rival for uh, own goal of the month of May with uh, all of our other candidates that we've uh, seemingly highlighted uh, on a weekly basis. Um, I don't know where this is going to stack up for you, Sam, but uh, Yuki Honda basically from 10 yards inside his own half after a poor touch and he's closed down by Mal Hosoya. He basically just tries to leather the ball back to his keeper, uh, Daya Maikawa, who was in no man's land. And, I mean, the, the credit to the racehole players, they knew it straight away, didn't they? There's three with their arms up in the air celebrating already before the, I think the balls even entered the box. Hosoya especially, and a couple of others alongside him, they knew that, uh, yeah, Honda's uh, strike, if you want to call it that, had uh, w- was bound for the net. And, um, yeah, one of the... Uh, well, we seemingly say this on a weekly basis. One of the stranger own goals you're ever going to see. Oh, there's such a catalogue this season. It's glorious. And I spent a good five minutes <laughs> chuckling at this. It was unbelievable. And they, even if Mike Howe was in position to receive it, he absolutely leathered it back to him. It's going to be a difficult one to control. Anyway, not to mention he's gone out to the right-hand side of the box. They're trying to open up the angle if they want to play it back. But Yuki Honda, yeah, he just panics because the touch is so poor. Hosoya is right on him. He'd be running in towards goal, so he just tries to boot it um, backwards, gets it horribly wrong, well, or perfectly right if you race on, because it's just <laughs> yeah. in as soon as he hits it, as you said. And, yeah, firm second place. Nothing can beat Takuya Wada. I, well, they're, they're trying the J-League, they're trying to get a better own goal than that. I don't think they'll manage it, but this comes close. It was fantastic. I mean, this is another thing that, I mean, they, they should lean into this, surely, at this point. I mean... Um, the league I'm talking about, and you know their social media, um, the social media crew. Um, I mean, you know, we we spoke last week about the the awards show, and okay, it was a serious kind of event. They they tried to you know play some jazzy music and and things like that, but I mean, and, and um, wasn't seriously expecting them to give. Um, uh, you know, Dragan Stojkovic an award for a volleying in from his own technical area, area wearing dress shoes. But I mean, sometimes you've got to highlight, highlight the, um, you know, the lighter things in the game. And why wouldn't they just show a, a, a reel of like, you know, the, the five best and count down the five best own goals so far this season? Because, um, you know, not just because we're talking about it on a weekly basis. I mean, you can't avoid, you can't avoid them, can you, Sam? So uh, I, I wish they would just lean into it a, a little bit and, you know, they don't have to name them. You, you don't put their name on the screen. Just put the, the name of the, the team and who it was against because, you know, they're uh, – well, they're not contractually uh, not allowed to, to, to print the name of who scores an own goal, but we all know that they don't do that. Um, I don't know, you know, just have a bit of fun, guys. Yeah, I do wish they'd embrace the lighter side of it a, a little bit. I, mean, I know they don't want to upset anyone, no, don't want to just call out Yuki Honda for his own goal or something. But the J-League, it's got so many things around it that are really light-hearted and they can bring it in, whether it's this, whether it's showcasing whatever was going on at Niigata the other week, where this guy in Speedos comes on and celebrates with the team. Like There are so many weird <laughs> things that go on. That's like one of the charms of the league and it should really be promoted. There's nothing wrong with having a little bit of a laugh at yourself or uh, for some of the errors or whatever is being made. I mean, 
over in England, you make a career as a blooper highlights reel. It was like videos that I get every Christmas. So there's definitely something to it. I think they should be uh, just, yeah, lighten up a little bit, have a laugh at yourself, poke fun at yourself, because it's not the end of the world that someone scored an own goal. Yeah, it's a lot, slightly embarrassing for him. Yes, Kobe didn't really recover from it. But yeah, I think it's one of, something of a unique charm about the J-League that they really should look to embrace a bit more. Yeah, and I mean, at least you know this season, if, you, if you've if you got egg on your face this week, well, somebody else is going to do something equally stupid next week. So it'll, that yours will be somewhat swept under the rug. But uh, anyway, uh, so after that um, uh, own goal from Honda kind of uh, shook Kobe's confidence a bit with 25 minutes to go, there was um, a, a, another really good chance for Raysol, but of their own making uh, inside the last 10 minutes when uh, Mal Hosoya founder J. Roy Grot down the uh, down the right. He's uh, embarked on a terrific run, uh, cutting back inside, but then uh, shot just wide. And, um, well, yeah, from there, I guess the points were shared, Sam. But uh, so overall, uh, there wasn't an, an, an especially large amount, I think, that Ihara did in terms of personnel to change things around. And obviously, uh, yeah, you mentioned that uh, he, well, he didn't really have that much time um, to, to to sort them out because he came in late in the week. But uh, uh, how confident are you that he uh, he could turn things around? And uh, was there any evidence on, on Saturday? Uh, did they show a little bit more fight or a little bit um, clearer avenues to goal than they had in in recent weeks under Nelsinho? Um, to be honest, not really, because even under Del Senio, they have chances. They just don't like they just don't take them. They have opportunities, mm. but don't make the most of them. And they're still good. I think they're still good players going forward. You just maybe it just needs one or two to go in, or maybe this spark of luck will yeah, really encourage them. Because I don't think that's necessarily going to be their issue. I just I think it will click for them. They will start scoring goals where Ihara should try and help is defensively, because as I said, all season, they're really quite poor, but he doesn't have too many tools to work with. Like he brought in uh, Kat- Katayama, moved to left back here, they dropped Mitsumara, but then Katayama, he's at fault for the first goal. He just rushes in, he gets caught under it, and it's very easy then for Muto. So there's going to be a lot of work that he's going to have to do there. I think he might kind of make the formation a little bit more solid. He went kind of 4-2-3-1 here uh, with Takamine and Toshima, the more deeper midfielders, gave a bit more of a free roll to Matteo Savio and allowed uh, Kota Yamada in, who not really got too much of a kick uh, previously. I don't think he necessarily repaid the faith with his performance, but uh, it shows that maybe you can get him in. I think there's a very good player in Yamada. So yeah, I would, it's hard to take anything from this game necessarily because like, it was such a weird game after the own goal because I don't think anybody really knew how to react. It kind of stunted Kobe. They had no real response to it. They couldn't really believe what had happened and didn't really get anything going. So I, th- I guess you can give them credit to a degree in that Kobe didn't look like scoring for large parts of that game. But yeah, it's uh, too early to tell. But I think he's a, a he seems like a good appointment to me. Yeah. All right then. So um, yeah, a couple of points dropped by the leaders, and as you said earlier, yeah, F Marino's able to close the gap uh, back to three points with their uh, their victory. Uh, away at Gumba in the late game on Saturday, but uh, yeah, it's still part of a long unbeaten run for uh, for Vissel, and they're still sitting pretty on top of the pile. All right, then. So uh, yeah, we'll jump around a little bit. We'll head back to Friday night when the uh, the great entertainers kicked off 
uh, the match day 14 slate up at the Sapporo Dome. Of course, uh, Consadole Sapporo uh, on a, a rich vein of uh, goal-scoring form uh, in uh, in recent weeks, and they hosted Kyoto Sanga to, to start the match day, and they got off to a, a fine start, well, from the penalty spot when uh, Takuro Kaneko uh, converted in just the seventh minute. So, uh, Sam, uh, I know, uh, yeah, Kaneko and uh, the guy who scored uh, Sapporo's second, Yuya Asano, has uh, been a mainstay of your fantasy team, and it's helped you roar up the table. Asano's the newest one in. I think I've only had him for a couple of weeks, but Kanako has been, yeah, Mr. Dependable for it pretty much all season. I think he's just back to his best, um, not for, maybe not last season, but the season before. I thought he was magnificent, and in this game, everything went through him. He was just, every time they got the ball, goes down the right-hand side. He had the beating of his fullback every time. He was the player that got the uh, ball in for the penalty. Great work down the right, crossed it in. Ogashiwa in ahead of Asada, clear penalty, takes him out. And yeah, it was just an avenue all game for uh, Sapporo. And to add to that, the movement of Ogashiwa and the goals and just the form of Yuya Asano. I mean, they've got three very, very good players in attacking positions. And I mean, Sapporo won three on the bounce. I just don't believe I could ever be uh, here <laughs> speaking about that. Magnificent from them. It wasn't necessarily their greatest performance, but yeah, those they've got several um, several cogs in that team that are really working well together. And yeah, they're looking like a reasonable team, looking like a team that could be challenging towards the top of the table. I mean, I say could be, it's still Sapporo. I expect them to then lose three on the bounce. But yeah, last few weeks have been very promising. Yeah, as we know, this is a league of momentum. And uh, yes, Sapporo definitely riding a wave. As you say, three straight wins. And yes, it's four in five for uh, for Misha Petrovic's men. And uh, yeah, they're up to the giddy heights of seventh. And um, well, as I know, as a... An FC Tokyo supporter. I, I was on the receiving end of the first of their uh, th- run of three straight victories. Uh, yet they are certainly capable of putting teams to the sword. But uh, on Friday night, uh, Sanger were able to work their way back uh, level before the break, Sam, when uh, Patrick uh, somehow stayed onside. I asked you in the green room uh, if, if indeed he did manage to do it. And obviously they have checked it and they've come to the uh, the conclusion that he was, uh, he must have been level with the ball because it was, um, yeah, it just looked like one of those where he was just surging through offside. But uh, yeah, he managed to stay level at worst, and um, that was uh, Sanger back into the game just before the break. Yeah, it certainly looked offside live, but you're going to have to say the te- just trust the technology. Um, it's not always correct, but just trust it that he was onside. And uh, yeah, key goal for Kyoto, who. Uh, for like 30 minutes or so support it was all Sapporo but they did get themselves back into it it was a bit of a makeshift front line they'd made plenty of changes from the last game and you're playing uh, Fukuyamada and Yudai Kimura on the wings very rare they've not played too much this season but they yeah looked a reasonable threat they got in behind obviously Sapporo leave gaps and uh especially Yamada I think on this right hand side was getting involved pretty heavily it was obviously his ball uh, in for Patrick and uh, yeah they looked okay getting into the the end of that first half but didn't really take it on and um, Sapporo uh, 
weren't necessarily at their fluent best either. They had various injuries throughout the game. They lost Miyazawa to injury, Tanaka and uh, substitute Sayababa. So they couldn't really get any sort of momentum going. They shouldn't get any flow going. But Kyoto didn't necessarily take advantage of it. They got the goal back to 1-1. But uh, I don't think they really then pressed on. They never really looked like that. The 1-1 looked like the best they could really hope for in this game. Right, and uh, yeah, they weren't able to hang on to their point when, uh, yeah, that man, Yuya Asano, uh, headed Sapporo back into the lead with uh, 18 minutes left. Although, uh, yeah, Asada uh, tried his best to uh, to, hook, to hack it away from the line, but in the end, he just uh, hacked it into the, the side netting, uh, but uh, of a negative nature for Sanga, as in the side netting inside the goal rather than outside it. And uh, yeah, Asano's goal... Uh, was uh, yeah enough to, as we say, make it three straight wins for the hosts and, yeah, take them further up the table. Uh, for, for Kyoto, as I said earlier, talking about that group of uh, five teams at the bottom, I guess there's some chance of them being a cut to drift in the next couple of weeks. So they'll be looking to uh, to get back to winning ways uh, very, very soon as, um, yeah, basically, apart from, uh, from Gumba's, uh, epic struggles and their five straight defeats. Well, yeah, uh, Sanga and uh, Shonan are um, well rapidly trying to catch them in the form table. They've uh, they've lost four in uh, in a row. Both of those teams having uh, yeah drawn their uh, their their other game in the last five. So yes, they're they both of those teams really struggling. And um, yeah, Sapporo continue to surge. Uh, next, we'll head to Nagoya and the Toyota Stadium, where a, a clash that um, I guess many would have pegged as the the one to watch uh, on the, at the end of last week's episode. Sam, we ended up going uh, each for a game between a team uh, up towards the top of the table versus a team uh, down towards the bottom. But uh, yes, there was the small matter of the uh, the, the teams who were joint third at kickoff facing off at the Toyota Stadium. Nagoya hosting Hiroshima. And as I said, uh, I definitely picked the wrong week to drop a Casper <laughs> Junker from my fantasy team. Again, just a, a perfect uh, example of my skills as a fantasy manager. But um, yes, uh, once again, the J-League's uh, own goal rule is um, brought into, uh, well, full effect. And we can all chuckle at the fact that uh, Takumu Kawamura had a huge chuckle at the fact that he has been awarded this goal by the J-League, even though it's taken a deflection off Mateus and then basically instinctively poked in by uh, Kensuke Nagai. So two Nagoya players basically took it um, off, of course, and then um, steered in by Nagai when it was uh, yeah going wide after that touch by Mateus. So unfortunately, yeah, you don't get the fantasy points, even though uh, the J-League have officially awarded the goal to Kawamura. But um, yeah, it's one of those. And yeah, as I said, he did feel embarrassed, look embarrassed uh, when other people came over to celebrate it with him. Uh, yeah, probably rightly so. Because, uh, yeah, his free kick went first. It was going absolutely nowhere near the goal. And a couple of deflections of yeah, really helped him out. It's uh, maybe great pinball uh, work from him. So uh, you should just take it. You shouldn't. Yeah, just go and celebrate. Really, <laughs> absolutely go for it, no matter how they go in. Because it's difficult to get goals against Nagoya. Hiroshima found it very tough in that first half. They had a lot of the ball. They had 
chances from the edge of the area. They were long-range efforts because Nagoya would keep them at arm's length. And then if you're taking shots from 25, 30 yards, they have to be something pretty good to beat Langerak, and none of them were good enough. That Langerak was equal to various efforts from Douglas Vieira and Ezekiel. And, uh, yeah, it was... I'd say relatively comfortable for Nagoya defensively. Um, yeah, Hiroshima, just without Mitsuta in there, they played Douglas Vieira from the start. And I really like, I know he scored a lot of goals this season, but he's not a good a player. And the movement, I don't think, was good enough from him. I don't think there was much creativity in behind. I don't think Morishima necessarily had his best game. And yeah, Hiroshima really struggled to create anything clear cut despite a lot of possession and a lot of long range efforts. Yeah, you're right about yeah Ezekiel and uh, and Douglas Vieira getting a chance from the start and um, yeah I think for Ezekiel a a long overdue opportunity to to show his wares from the start and a couple of chances for him and yeah obviously look to to tee up uh, Douglas Vieira as often as he could so um, yeah I don't think he did his chances of. Uh, another start in the next few weeks, any harm. But, uh, yeah, as it was, uh, Kawamura, yeah, you're right. He's uh, had, He's been so hard done to on so many occasions this season. He should uh, he should run off with his uh, shirt over his head uh, celebrating. But uh, he was, uh, as we said, a little bit embarrassed uh, with all of the attention. But uh, as it was, that, that goal uh, came eight minutes before the break. I'm not sure if I mentioned that or not. But uh, there was still time for Grampus to equalise before the uh, the interval when a uh, Ryuji Izumi corner was uh, headed on by Kensuke Nagai in, in the center and then in by uh, Kasper Junker at the back post um, and then well again in true Yokohama FC style uh, one became two for Grampus uh, three minutes after the interval when uh, Ryoya Morishita crossed from the left and uh, well yeah. Junker basically just bullied Shosasaki off the ball and uh, bundled it in from uh, just inside the penalty spot. And that was it. 2-1 to Grampus. I mean, uh, Junker had a, a perfect chance to score his hat-trick just before the hour when uh, Shosasaki got his uh, feet all messed up. We're trying to deal with a uh, Mateus cross, but uh, Junker shot too close to uh, Keisuke Osako. But, uh, yeah, ultimately, uh, Grampus able to see out a, uh, a vital win for them to uh, to finally give them some breathing room uh, uh, against Hiroshima. As we said, the, the last two match days, these two had finished locked together in the joint third in the table. Well, uh, now there is uh, three points separating them and uh, Nagoya can carry on trying to chase down Kobe. All right, then. So uh, next, we've, we've got three games to go. A couple of them were drawn, including uh, the one at, up at the uh, Kashima Soccer Stadium, where FC Tokyo visited uh, Kashima Antlers, who, as we have mentioned throughout this episode, had uh, roared up the table into the top six, perhaps uh, setting the blueprint for the likes of what uh, Gumbaro Osaka hoped to do uh, in the uh, the coming months. Well, uh, Antlers had won five in a row and hadn't, hadn't conceded in any of those games, and they made the perfect start in the uh, sixth minute. Well, they almost made the perfect start inside the first 30 seconds when there was a headed chance for goal machine Yuki Kakita. Uh, But uh, five minutes later, he was uh, given a second opportunity and made no mistake, uh, powering home a header from Koki Anzai's pinpoint cross in from the left. But uh, just before the half hour, Tokyo equalized from the spot through uh, Diego Oliveira's penalty after the referee spotted a, uh, well, a 
to be honest and hold my hands up as a Tokyo supporter, uh, Sam, and you can certainly share your opinion on this decision, a little shove, if there was one uh, at all, from Ikuma Sekigawa on uh, Oliveira as a cross came in from the left. Um, the, the, the PK dancer, as Alex Bishop likes to call him, was uh, at work again and uh, this time managed to slot home from 12 yards. But um, yes, I'll, as I say, I'll hold my hands up and say that Tokyo were on the end of a very fortunate decision there. Yeah, very good of you because it's a shambolic decision. There's very little <laughs> contact. Uh, I think he does slightly put his hands on Diego. So when they go to the review, they see that there is a bit of contact. So it's not necessarily a clear and obvious error. But I mean, if that's given, if that sort of contact is given as a penalty, you're going to see hundreds every game. Like, there's more contact on every corner than there was here. And yeah, Diego goes down very easily, but gets into his team a penalty and uh, it was not a great minute of, a couple of minutes of football because you see that and then you have to see him dancing up to the penalty spot but it's a better penalty than the last time he tried it so yeah whatever <laughs> good enough I suppose uh, uh, got, uh, just, yeah it wasn't a great game really I don't think Tokyo didn't look too good going forward this is one of the only ways they were going to score I suppose and uh, defensively it was getting sloppy at the start you mentioned the chance after about 30 seconds and the goal I mean Anzai gets it back from a throw in there's nobody anywhere near him and then Kimoto in the middle he's just ball watching he watches the ball come in uh, sail over his head doesn't realise that Kakata has moved away from him good movement from the striker and uh, good header but yeah Tokyo started really sloppily. That cost them. Got back into the game and then oh, it was like it's hard to really describe the game. Nothing really happened. I mean, it was Tokyo have got this. They get into a position where they're quite happy with the scoreline and are then quite happy to sit in, which is not how I expect them to be. But when they do it, they do it fairly well and they defended pretty nicely. Like there weren't too many chances for Yuma Suzuki. Kashima didn't really look like they were ever going to get back in front and then it didn't really look to be honest like Tokyo would there was that one big chance for Sukagawa who somehow ended up as a striker in this game which kind of shows what Tokyo's approach was but he volleyed into the ground and off the post so that was the closest either team really came but yeah I don't think either team necessarily pushed hard enough to earn a victory yeah, uh, not uh, not the best advertisement for the J League, I suppose. Um, I guess a, uh, a a kind of a come down was uh, uh, to be expected at some point for for Antlers, and uh, they'd uh, they'd obviously ridden a wave for uh, for the last uh, f- uh, five rounds, and it had to uh, come to an end at some point. And uh, I must admit, Tokyo have taken some batterings up at uh, Kashima over the years, as uh, certainly not Robinson Crusoe there. Uh, Kashima have uh, batted uh, pretty much everybody at various points of uh, their uh, periods of dominance in the J League. But um, yeah, obviously feared for how uh, things might go after the losing uh, a goal so early. But uh, yeah, the fact that uh, Tokyo are able to get back onto level terms as fortunately as that uh, came about just before the half hour. And then, yeah, as you say, the rest of the game just kind of happened until those, uh, there were two chances late on, uh, one for Sukagawa, as you say, Sam, that came back off the post in the 84th minute. And then there was a long, uh, a long distance volley from, uh, from Yuma Suzuki that uh, Jakob Slovic saved a couple of minutes after that. But, uh, yeah, that uh, that goal from Oliveira was the first that Kashima had conceded in the league since uh, Yoshinori Muto put the icing on Kobe's cake in the 85th minute of their 
5-1 romp up at Kashima in match day eight. So almost 500 minutes. And when you factor in, um, I mean, additional time at the end of uh, both halves of games, I'm sure it, it would have been actually over 500 minutes of, of game time. But uh, a, a point apiece up at, uh, up at Kashima. And as I say, from a Tokyo perspective, um, happy enough with that after, uh, yeah, losing a goal so early and uh, being able to fight back and uh, come back home with something at least. Uh, unfortunately for Niigata and their supporters, they weren't able to return from their trip to Kyushu with anything. They headed uh, to uh, to Saga to face Sagan Tosu and a goal uh, after 11 minutes by Yuji Ono and then a penalty with about 10 minutes left from Atsushi Kawata was enough for Tosu in uh, a game they were outshot uh, quite heavily and outpossessed by Niigata. But, uh, yeah, one of those where uh, just things don't quite work and don't quite click for Niigata, Sam. And on this occasion, they certainly have uh, there've been many times this season where Tosu have uh, been a very hospitable hosts. But on this occasion, they were resolute enough at the back and uh, a good header, it must be said, by Ono. And then a, a VAR-assisted penalty for Kawata was enough to see off Albirex. Uh, yeah, I think it was a pretty... Not the greatest performance, really, from Niigata. Yes, they had a lot of possession, but didn't really create too much. I think this was the worst performance we've seen from Ryotaro Ito this game, uh, this season. Didn't didn't really put his authority on it. Didn't wasn't given necessarily the space that he usually was. Uh, I think they dealt with him pretty well, but yeah, he didn't really create too much. They moved Takagi. He came back in. He'd, he'd been like one of their star players last season until uh, a fairly lengthy injury. So he came back in out on the left hand side uh, with Mito shifting to the right, and yeah, didn't really get into the game. Didn't impact it compared to how at the start of the season with uh, Shunsuke Ota and Mito as the winger. So there was not really that threat uh, wide. Suzuki and Taniguchi, I think they were half a shot each. And didn't, yeah, they, it was just quite comfortable for Tosu. They, they, yeah, weren't really stretched at all. Yes, there's a lot of possession, maybe some shots from a, a long distance, but I thought Tosu, after getting ahead, were relatively comfortable. And, um, yeah, it wasn't, again, not the greatest game. Not, not I wouldn't go back and rewatch this one, but... Uh, yeah, I thought they were relatively okay, Tosu. They got the second goal. I think it is a penalty eventually after a VAR review. Um, I think it's Kawata himself who goes to try and flick a header on at the near post, gets caught in the head. I think it's by Cormi, the substitute. And uh, yeah, clear penalty, good finish uh, from the spot from Kawata. And seen out fairly comfortably. Niigata, just maybe after the highs of last week and the performance against Marinos, it was just, yeah, they couldn't replicate that. And uh, yeah, they'll chalk this down as a bad day at the office, I think, and try and go again. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, these teams uh, swapped places in the table. Uh, Sagan moved above uh, Niigata and uh, up to 12th uh, with uh, with this victory. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it gives uh, them some breathing room over the uh, the teams down in the bottom five. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, Tosu now three unbeaten. All right, you might be able to uh, hear this. Is my throat's about to go, I think, for uh, for some reason. Uh, not getting emotional at all. Don't worry about that. But, uh, yes, we'll uh, stay down in Kyushu for the final game. It was uh, Fukuoka hosting Urawa, uh, the third draw of the match day, uh, the only uh, goalless draw uh, to uh, to round us off, Sam. And, uh, well, these two teams are finishing the match day uh, level of... Uh, sorry, next to each other in the table as uh, Reds were leapfrogged by uh, Cerezo 
and Sapporo and uh, slipped a couple of spots down to eighth with the uh, Fukuoka staying in ninth, uh, a point behind Urawa. It looked to me from the highlights that Avispa had, uh, well, by far, if, if that's not a stretch, uh, of the chances with the Kazuya Kondo, uh particularly prominent, uh, buzzing down the right. But uh, Reds did have the ball in the net. They're the only team that could say that about uh, their actions on uh, Saturday. But unfortunately for them, uh, VAR spotted a handball by Shinzo Kuroki in the build-up before Kaito Yasui finished. So, um, yes, the, uh, the the points were shared one apiece, and uh, Reds returned from uh, from Kyushu with, uh, yeah, as I said, having uh, dropped a couple of spots in the table. Um, yeah, what did you make of this game? Yeah, it was a game where defences were really on top. But Avispa defended really well, uh, very solid. Getting uh, Nara and Grolly as that centre-back pairing really worked well. And... Uh, Reds likewise were good defensively with Schultz and Hoybraten, very solid backline. So there were very few chances for either side. I think Reds have struggled, except for the game against Gamba, but the game against Tosu and then this one, they're not really clicked as an attacking unit. They had that one goal really, well, not given, but Crocky chesting it down. It does come just off his arm. It is a fair decision. But other than that, I don't think they really tested Avispa. As you said, the biggest chances came Avispa's way towards uh, well, maybe midway through the second half, um, yeah, as you said, Kono played really well. The best one was probably Sato's header. Nishikawa gets really well across to save from a close-range header from Ryogo Sato. And then a couple of minutes later, Yamagishi with another header hit the crossbar. So that were the be- those were the best chances. But again, it was in short bursts, really. Otherwise, both teams were solid enough. They didn't really create, neither side created too much uh, besides that. And yeah, nil nil, very much a fair result. All right then, so we'll uh, we'll move off that game uh, a point apiece down at the Best Tanky Stadium, and um, yeah, both of these teams uh, in uh, mid table. Though of course, uh, Reds do still have uh, two games in hand on uh, most of the teams above them. All right, so uh, yeah, we'll move on and we'll fit. Well, we'll finish off the episode with a quick check on uh, match day fifteen. Uh, it's uh, going to be spread pretty evenly over the two days this coming weekend with five games on Saturday and four on Sunday. All right, Sam, I'll, I'll let you go first, as is the yeah, convention around here. And uh, depending on which day you pick a game from, I'll pick uh, a game from the the other day. How about that? Sam's pick of the weekend. Okay, dokie. Now then, which day do I prefer? I think I am going to pick from Saturday and I'm going to go Sanfrecce Hiroshima versus Shonan Balmare. Mm-hmm. Balmare, as we mentioned earlier, in really poor form. They need to find something. And Hiroshima, they're an interesting team. I think without Mitsuta, they're really kind of struggling to uh, create enough chances. And, you know, all season they've struggled for goal despite having like the biggest XG that's ever been. It was like Brighton from a couple of seasons ago in the Premier League. That's So I think this is a really interesting one. Hiroshima need to get back into uh, form. They've, they're against a team that defensively quite poor, so you think maybe they'll be able to get some confidence from that. But Shonan will also know that it's not the best Hiroshima that they're going to face this season. There is a chance for them to 
uh, yeah, take advantage of maybe a little bit of indecision there with in terms of the formation that they're going to have because they've had to swap it around a few times. And I don't think they're quite settled on the way they're playing. So I think this is an interesting game because Shonan don't want to be a team that's dropping and getting further and further at the bottom. Gamba have a game that they might think they can win on Sunday. So I think this is a really interesting one because Hiroshima can't afford to lose too many more points uh, to, and drop further away from that top three either. So I think this is an interesting game for both both sides. Uh, what has anything caught your eye on the Sunday then? Yeah, I think you probably did have the the better of things on Saturday, not just the the one more game to choose from, but I think yeah, the the slightly more uh, intriguing games to to pick from there. So yeah, uh, can get behind your choice of uh, uh, Hiroshima versus Shonan. I'll go for. Well, I guess it's the obvious choice because it's the clash between two teams in the top half of the table. Uh, F. Marinos versus Avispa Fukuoka. Um, Fukuoka, um, yeah, not always the easiest team on the eye, but I think they were impressive uh, on uh, on Saturday at home against Urawa. And uh, yeah, one of my uh, one of my old boys from uh, FC Tokyo, as we said, Kazuya Kondo, was uh, looking particularly threatening there. So he will relish the chance to uh, to to do so uh, again on a big stage at the Nissan Stadium. And if, if he can uh, be at his best, then he will pose a serious threat to the uh, F Marinos. Uh, back line, no question about that. But of course, uh, the defending champions were uh, able to do the business against Gumba uh, this uh, past weekend, even with only ten men. So uh, they're yeah, they're still uh, hunting down uh, Kobe, so they won't be going easy on Avispa at all. And um, yeah, I guess it has the uh, the hallmarks of an interesting game between uh, yeah two teams that are travelling along pretty well at the moment and um yeah we'll wait and see hopefully some uh, nice weather for the f marinos faithful uh to turn up to on uh, sunday afternoon uh just after lunchtime because uh, yeah they, i think they have had the short end of the uh, the stick quite a few times when it comes to weather for their home games so far this season so all right well hopefully that's a wet your whistle listeners for uh, what's to come uh on the uh yes this uh, coming weekend for match day 15 uh we'll uh, we'll leave it there for this episode sam uh, good to catch up with manny and um yeah uh, yeah join in on the the fun for uh, your grammar fc supporters and uh well yeah i guess we'll wait and see how they get on against us Cerezo this sunday and um yeah what shapes as another intriguing j1 match day look forward to catching up with you again and uh, to round it all up next week yeah, good to catch Manny, especially after a really good performance from Yokohama FC. It's been a long time coming, maybe, but yeah, great to get him on for that. And always good to speak to you. An interesting weekend coming, but don't forget the return, finally, of the Levain Cup group stage. As we continue with match day five, it's been a while. It's a uh, fever pitch now. I can't contain myself for Wednesday's action. <laughs> Yes, that's coming through loud and clear in in your voice, Sam. No question about that. All right, then. So uh, we'll leave it there. That's it for this week's episode of the JTalk podcast. Sam and I would like to thank Manny Padovan very much again for his time in part two of this episode. And again, follow Manny on Twitter at Yokohama FSG. We'd like to thank all of our patrons for their ongoing support on Patreon. And uh, listeners, we'd like to thank you for listening wherever you are. We'll be back next week to round up J1 Match Day 15. Speak to you then. Bye for now. The J Talk Podcast. Yes, 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 yes.